welcome to Wellness in the Wilderness. Come with us on the trail of life as we inspire you to take a step outdoors to disconnect from the distractions and reconnect with yourself. Sydney Williams and her guests will motivate you to get active and get well. Now, here is Sydney. All right, welcome to Wellness in the Wilderness. My name is Sydney Williams, and today I have another very special guest. I was special last time. Does that make my special every time now? You're special every time. Oh, okay. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Do you not like being referred to as special? Well, I, I, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> Who are you? I, I am the other half. I am Barry Williams. Barry Williams yeah. in the house, everybody. Yeah. Uh, cue the applause. Woo! Yay. <laughs> Yay. So, Barry, where are we? We are in the Hiking My Feelings headquarters and mobile studio. Tell me more about the setup uh, and what led to the inspiration for this. Well, we got your, we got to do your, uh, your audiobook. That's right. So we're kind of been, you know, before we did it up in in the Bay Area. Yes. And now we're thinking about doing it in here, and we just need to make sure everything's testing and everything sounds good, and we kind of mess with the. With the microphone that we got a little bit, and, let's, let's, you know, I get mean, the Barry White sound going. Yeah, well, and I just wanna, I wanna say thank you, especially to people that have been listening to us talk um, since before we had a podcast. When we first started our YouTube channel, we got a lot of great feedback from our friend Henrik. Shout out to Henrik, the skydiver, um, <laughs> right. about how bad our audio quality was. And I was like, Yeah, man, we're doing the best we can with what we got. Like, we're out in the wilderness. We got a GoPro. Like, we don't have the funds or the capacity to carry really heavy equipment out into the backcountry where we were doing these videos. And then we had the opportunity to hang out with some friends. Oh, this is something I want to talk about today. Remind me to talk about friends. Okay. I'm going to write myself a note, but while we do that, uh, we were hanging out with some friends and we had the opportunity to share, um, a bunch of our old videos. Like we just kind of went on a bender of hiking my feelings glory on YouTube. And we were looking at like our most viewed videos and we started to recognize a pattern. Other than the terrible audio, what was the highlight of the videos that had the most views? Ketamine. Other than ketamine. <laughs> <laughs> Krishnamurti. Yeah, but like what was but what was what was the thing that was happening in the videos? Not even where we were, but what was happening in the videos that had the most views compared to ones that didn't have a lot of views? I, yeah, I don't know where you're going. We were telling this. a lot of good stories. Like we were talking yeah. to the camera, we were talking about the things we were learning. We were talking about like taking people on a tour of the Christian Murdy Center, talking about Bright Angel and like the safety of why it's important to not try to do what we did and hike Bright Angel in one day up and down. Mm-hmm. Right. So like the storytelling aspect of it. So this is all coming back to something and I promise we'll get to it. But first and foremost, uh, that was where I was like, oh, man, Henrik was right. <laughs> like five years ago, Henrik, hey, what up? You were right. Like the audio quality was bad. And like, we couldn't hear it. I mean, like we knew it wasn't great at the time, but I think something that was really impactful for me when we were watching those shows back with what up, Brendan, shout out Olympic, um, when we were watching our old videos was just how far the technologies come. Like you've always been really good with the camera, but even like the Bright Angel video compared to what it would look like if we shot with the same same camera. It's still a GoPro. It's just different iterations of it. Um, it would look and sound tremendously better because as we've learned more, we've grown with the technology and we've started to augment and supplement, all of which is a long way for me to say. Barry said, hey, listen, if you're going to record this audiobook um, and we don't have the setup that you had up in the Bay Area, which for anybody that is 
new to the podcast or new to hiking my feelings and how we roll, uh, I recorded my first audiobook with like a nice microphone with like the proper setup, but I didn't have a stand and I put the microphone in a pint glass and I recorded five chapters before I listened to it. So we were thinking about how the audio from that audiobook to what we've got now, and now we have this new microphone. And I'm moving my hands a lot. Are you? Is it showing up on the audio form? Well, we're gonna find out. We're gonna we? find out. This is a this is all a big experiment to some extent. Um, but the idea was, Barry said, "Hey, if we're gonna do this, let's do it right. You've got a new a newer microphone, a new to us. Uh, well, it's the one we've been using, but it isn't the one that we used for the first audiobook. So Barry went down a massive rabbit hole and he found out about Blue Voice and the software that's available for the Yeti mics. Um, so it sounds like the new mics might come with Blue Voice built in, if I'm reading that right, but um. We've got it now, so we're hopefully sounding a little less tin canny and a little more warm and welcoming the way we the way we are. Right. Voice is true to sound. It's like polarized lenses for your ears. Is it like polarized lenses for your ears? Yeah. <laughs> uh I like that. Crisper. Mm-hmm. More vibrant. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're in the setup. Uh or we're in the van, which prior to that we just like had the mic on the counter. Um, and the windows and doors in various states have opened or closed. Um, and so Barry did some great research on just how to kind of cut down on some noise. The, uh, the roof of the van is lined in cork, so it's already pretty dampening. Um, but we've lowered the shades. We've got our national park towel from Nomadics that I got for being a facilitator at the Outdoor Stove. What up, Outdoor Stove? Uh, we've got that as like our tablecloth over the counter to kind of dampen some of the sound and block the sink. And then I've got my mouse pad from my standing desk, which is where I tried to break in my hiking boots, which is a really good segue to what are we talking about today, Barry? Hiking your feelings and how it can help you navigate literally anything in life? Yeah. And how you don't even have to hike, but hiking makes it so much better and easier. Yeah. Okay. I guess, I guess that's what we're talking that about. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, I guess before we jump into what the book's about, can we all just talk about how we've uh, forgotten how to hang out? Because I forgot how to hang out. Mm-hmm. And we had, we hung out with uh, Brendan and Derek a couple weeks ago, and it was like the most fun that either of us have had in a long time. Am I wrong? That's that's because we were laughing. Yeah. We were yeah. with other people. Yeah. We were just like didn't look at our phones once. Didn't look at our phones once. We were talking about some of the most pie in the sky, rabbit holy conspiracy theory exploring origins of the earth. Where do maps come from? Like we touched on it all. Alien technology and how they're not letting us have all of it because they want to make sure we know how to use it. I mean, like we really we went deep. Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of a lot. But it was so fun and so inspiring. So uh, if anybody else is feeling like you are just not real great at hanging out and that humaning is extra hard, especially because you've been doing it by yourself and maybe a little bit reclusive since the pandemic, you're not alone. I feel this deeply. I forgot what a social creature I am uh, to the point so much that Barry made. uh, At one point, we were having a conversation. We're all laughing, figuring out, you know, how the universe works and our place in it. And then I went out to the van to get something and Barry's like, you know, I kind of forgot that this is like what you do. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, as soon as you left, like we all just started looking at our phones. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK. Yeah. Like I, I love facilitating conversations and inside and outside of the Hiking My Feelings uh, ecosystem. And it has been a while since we've done anything social that wasn't something that we coordinated. So just a shout out to anybody that might be feeling a little bit lonely 
a little bit like maybe maybe this is the year that we kind of step back out into the world and start socializing again and feeling like grown-ups uh just trying to do our best on planet earth what do you think barry sounds great okay it sounds great so now what talk about the uh book and how it helps you navigate stuff yeah, I mean, we've we've had a bit of a we had a major pivot. I think we talked about it last time with the sponsorship and stuff like that. And we got some, so we had a whole thing planned out, and then we didn't have a whole thing planned out. And now we got a whole another thing planned out, and everything seems to be fine. But it was pretty gnarly there for a little bit. So I I was like, I you know what we should do? We should we should pick something from your book and a specific chapter and a specific page and talk about like, how did this help you get through this part? And, and you're like, well, I don't, I don't have that. I don't, I don't, I don't have a chapter on what to do when you lose a sponsor and the plan that you've been planning for over a year falls apart. Yeah. Maybe the next book. Yeah. Maybe that's in the next book. So since it's not, um, that also became a point of contention in our discussion about how we were going to, uh, unpack this all today. Because I was, like, taking Barry literally, and I was like, Barry, I just don't have a chapter on that. And he's like, well, find one. I was like, well, the chapters are what the chapters are. And there isn't a chapter specifically about if you've sold everything you own, move into a van, you've been working your butt off for the last five years, sacrificing everything you've known as far as comfort goes in the pursuit of bringing your best work into the world, and then the biggest lead you've got on financial support to make those dreams come true pulls out seemingly last minute and then you're left picking up the pieces. No, I don't have a chapter on that. And yes, I probably will write about that in a future thing. But the point that I was trying to make when I was really frustrated about how I don't have a specific chapter to point people to for that very specific scenario is this. While I'm not ever probably, actually, I don't want to say it like that. There is a a greater chance now than there ever has been in my life that I will be able to identify what is happening for me at any point in time and find the tools necessary to navigate it. Is that always instantaneously in the moment? No. Is it always anticipatory? Like, can I fend off bad times? No. And I think this is all a really good point because, like, you don't just read my book and then nothing bad happens ever again. Like, it would be kind of pointless for me to write a book about how to navigate discomfort, grief, loss, and other things like joy and empowerment and surviving and thriving versus feeling like a victim of something. It wouldn't make sense to write about that if on the other side of figuring out how to navigate that, it never happens again. Like the book would be like, here's all the stuff I went through and now it's over. (laughs) And then that's it. And that's not how life works. And I'm saying that for myself because I think I mentioned this last week too. Um, I have been feeling like, especially as I get more specific in the healing activities that I take on, um, when I am embarking on a journey with a specific intention, And my expectation of what that intention might look like doesn't line up with the reality of how that comes into the world. I'm like, this is so frustrating. I've been doing the work. This shouldn't be happening. And I mentioned when I mentioned it last time, like, that's also not how life works. So I think the thing that I was most inspired by this morning, and I want to be perfectly transparent and say, I got fussy about this situation because I wanted to be like, go to chapter seven, go to the second mindful miles prompt, and this will answer the question to life. And I can't do that. But like, that's kind of how life works. Like we can't, there isn't just like, 
this rule book or this playbook that we can like reference and try to find an answer to a situation and then follow along? Or is there, do you actually have a copy of this book? Cause you seem to have solutions to everything, Barry. Yeah, I do. Where's the book at? <laughs> These are not to be meant to, meant to be written down. These are like oral traditions passed on through generations of Williamses. So, I, wow, that's a lot of pressure considering my retention, right, of the tradition, right. If that, I have no respect or reverence for the traditions that are being passed down from Williams to Williams. Yep. All right. So tell me, tell me what. Uh, was there anything that you learned? Here's a question. I'm going to throw it back to you. Is there anything through this chapter of the, the dream crumbling and the dream rising from the ashes like a phoenix? Is there anything from our relationship, from the work that I do, from the work that we've done together at Hiking My Feelings that you used to deploy uh, to get through that, to move through that, to process that? Or were you already squarely educated and proficient in navigating such a difficult life experience from your own book and oral tradition. You mean naps? Yeah. So, we talked about that last naps? time. Yeah. Naps, a couple yeah. beers. Yeah. That always helps. No, I think it's just one of those things. I mean, for the past six years or however long we've been doing this, I mean, it's, it's, uh, we've had our, certainly had our ups and downs, but everything's always seemed to work out when the things that we, thought would be in our best interest didn't work out something else always happened and it always worked out better so you know that's just the thing man yeah sometimes you know you thinking about that bridge and the zip lines right there and you you know zip lines are fun zip lines are fun i think we found ourselves a zip line yeah i was like taking the highway with my plan yeah and like probably like a little bit of a caravan with yeah. it well but the thing is we can't really talk about it yet Right. We're going to have much nicer accommodations. Yes. That's all that's, we can say. That's a hint. Yeah. It's not a spoiler. It's just a hint. <laughs> we, went, we went from probably being out getting shot at somewhere like we have in the past or getting arrested by the cops to now plush linens and showers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's things to look forward to. And we'll have uh, more information about that coming soon and i promise that this isn't a thing like last this time last year where we were like next episode we'll be able to talk about it next episode it's gonna happen we still can't talk about <laughs> that, the, thing. that thing <laughs> nobody nobody's losing except for everybody right. okay so <laughs> um i think in the context of finding a chapter walking through some stuff i think it would be helpful for me to kind of discuss why Go Like going back to, you don't just read a book, like we say at our retreats, you don't just come to one retreat, like Sequoia knows, you don't just do one meta restoration to remove orchard grass and then it's gone forever. In Sequoia, they've been working on that meta restoration in Round Meadow to remove orchard grass for seven summers. This will be the eighth summer and we've been supporting it for now three summers. So like, I think there's something to be said for um, starting this journey. And if you're somewhere on a healing journey and you're stuck, I think my book's a great way to come into it. I think you're probably going to see some stuff that you might already understand. Um, and that's the other thing. This book is touching on things that literally everybody has experienced in one way or another. Either we've experienced it personally or we've been touched by it by a member of our family, some of our close friends, our loved ones, members of our community, acquaintances, that one chick from middle school, whatever. Like 
the experiences that I'm talking about in the story, the specifics are unique to me, but the circumstances are not. I'm not the first person to lose somebody to suicide. I'm not the first person to lose somebody to brain cancer. I'm not the first person to lose somebody to just sudden loss in a tragic accident. Like, I'm not the first person to have their heart broken. I'm not the first person to be an overworker. And I'm certainly not the first person with body image issues. So, like, I'm not coming out here saying that I'm the first and that's why you should read this. I'm saying, like, we're not, clearly we're not okay. Like, as a collective, as a society, we are not okay. Is that fair? Well, I mean, if they didn't put so much lead in those Stanley Cups... Right. It would probably, you know, lessen the cognitive issues. But, Cutting down yeah. on the frenzy over the right. cups because right. lead leads to insanity. Which is that, pretty yeah. much, yeah. Cognitive issues, yeah. 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 Well, keep sipping. I... <laughs> that, that explains the riots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes the target thing make total sense. No, so I think that's that's kind of the point I want to make is like um, we could we could jump into a chapter and we could talk about something and if if a listener has a question and maybe after the book comes out and it's out there in your hands and and you're reading it and you do have questions like we can jump on and really dig into something with a little bit more depth but i think the the lesson that i'd like to kind of preemptively seed here is that when you read this book it's not going to solve all your problems but it will shift your perspective i can guarantee that even if we if if by some miracle you, listener, and I, Sydney Williams, have had the exact same life experience, which, again, not possible because you weren't born to my parents living in the house that I grew up in or making any of the choices that I've made. But if our if our if the if the little stops, the little like milestones on our trail of life are similar, um, there's going to be a perspective shift because the way that I tell my story my hope is that you're going to see yourself in it. I'm not sharing these things specifically because I think these are the things that are the most important to share. Um, but I think because they are the most relatable and I think that they're the most, the softest way to enter into a difficult or tough conversation. Um, and when it comes to going after your dreams, like I've always talked about hiking my feelings and now hiking your feelings as you know, I wrote this story for me, the process of writing it and the process of living it. And then the process of writing it helped me understand myself in a very, very deep way. And this was something I was thinking about yesterday. And I actually, uh, I'm going to throw this at Barry and he has no idea it's coming. I was thinking about this yesterday, Bear. Um, think about all the people, myself included before this chapter of my life that would just rush and rush and rush from one thing to the next, like rushing to work, rushing to the gym, rushing to school, rushing to go home and take care of their kids, listening to an audiobook, going straight to the couch and watching Netflix, like whatever it is. And there's no space for them to get the, to know themselves. Like I was thinking about how kind of circling back to our, uh, what if it all ends tomorrow conversation we were having with Derek and Brendan. Um, what if it all ends tomorrow? Well, if it all ends tomorrow, I'm really glad that we've been doing the work that we're doing. And I'm really grateful that I've had a chance to get to know myself this well. What do you think? Well, what else you got to do? Literally nothing. Nothing. That's what you've been saying this whole time. Right. There's not, there's, what else do you it's have to do? It's not because you're not ambitious. That's all you have to do. Right. Your ambition is to know me and to love me and to know yourself and to love yourself. Yeah. And to share that with others. Like, you think I'm kidding when I'm like, I got nothing better else to do. Like, no, that's. There's literally nothing better else to do. It's not a jab. It's not like oh, I'm, I'm I'm lazy and I got nothing to do. No, that like that's my job. I love this. I know. Aww. And you you think that I'm just you know like 
voice of an angel, I say. That's and right. you think I'm lying, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I just, you guys are witnessing audibly a moment between me and Barry. But how long have I been saying this and now you're just catching on? <laughs> but this is the thing. But I like I, I I know that it's frustrating and I know that we joke about it and the joking as of late is more like veiled ribbing and, and serious dis- disappointment or discontent with the situation. But like I think for anybody listening, like and especially like as a former marketer, like you have to hear the average person has to hear or see something three to seven times before they even understand what it is. And more than that, if they're going to consider purchasing it or buying into it. And so I've been living with you for 13 years. <laughs> and you've been saying since, since well, you, you've you always loved me, but I think the job of, lo- like, your only purpose is to love me, your only job is to love me. I think that was more of a hiking my feelings thing. I don't think that that was as prevalent during the first eight years of our relationship like it it was and the love was felt but I think like the messaging of I was a skydiver and then we met and now I'm here to love you I feel like that is more of a recent discovery and by recent I mean six years this is not I'm not I'm not doing myself any favors by putting timestamps on this because I should be able to understand this but I think the moral of the story is for anybody listening sometimes we have to find the language to be able to articulate what's happened to us, to understand something. If we don't have the words, and we are all in this van right now, we are fluent English speakers. And that's part of the, the thing about healing that feels so difficult for me is that every time I stumble upon a new modality or a new language around something that I've struggled with, it feels like at the same time, it feels like brand new information and also this deep remembering, like it's in my cells that I've heard this before, lifetimes ahead of this one. And so I think it's really important to not give ourselves too much grief if it takes a long time to move from like the language and the understanding into like an embodied knowing. I've had the language since the first time Barry said it. I understand the words, I am here to love you. I know what that means from a language perspective. And then I have a deeper understanding of like what that means in context of the relationship. But what just happened here is an embodied knowing and understanding of both Barry's intent and how I've been receiving that. And I think that that's important to point out. Like, we joke about it and we breeze right through it. But I think that it would be a huge disservice to anybody listening to not break down the steps of that in case they're feeling something similar about anything in their life, whether it's understanding something that happened to them, understanding a relationship or a conversation or the dynamics between two people or more people. I I mean, I just think that that's important to say. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think you're right uh, about just like the the meaning has changed. Not it hasn't really changed, but I think the ability for us to be out in nature and and slow down and do what we do is really gave us time to because we're not rushing actually understand what we're actually saying to each other. Yes. Yes. Just like Bob Marley said, once you quit the race, you win the race, or something similar like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I think, and and that's a huge part of it too about this, about the whole thing is just being able to slow down just long enough 
just like you don't need to like go slow down and slam on the brakes the way we have for the last six years. But like for the average person that's got a family and everybody's working and you've got commitments, I'm like, okay, like well, let's think about Craig and Jenny and their four kids, right? Like they both have a lot going on. Their kids are in involved in so many cool activities. They themselves have interests. Jenny's picking up some new arts and crafts kind of stuff. Craig's all the way in on his acoustic sessions and muffin but good vibes in addition to a full-time job like i think the lesson could be why why just going for a hike and like why so like read the book take one of those mindful mile prompts and then go out by yourself or with your partner or with your friends or with your hiking group or your kids or whatever and just go walk and talk and see how different those conversations on the trail might be versus when you're trying to have a conversation about something that really needs more time and attention than what we can give it in the car on the highway or around a dinner table when we're all really in our emotions. One of the things that I love most about hiking, and especially the way that Barry and I hike, is we barely talk when we're hiking. Unless we're purposely having like a walking. It's meeting. usually because I'm huffing and puffing. It's usually because you're <laughs> huffing and puffing. It's because you are hoofing it and you are mm. a billy goat and you're up ahead and I'm pulling back the rear a little bit and I'm like sitting with where I'm sitting. But I think one of the best benefits of of processing in motion, specifically on a trail, specifically with other people, is that if you're walking single file or even side by side, we live a lot of our life side by side. Barry and I don't spend a lot of time face to face. Because of the ergonomics of the van. When we're laying down, we're side by side. When we're driving, we're side by side. When we're hiking, we're in front of each other, like not making eye contact. So for Barry and I to like look at each other in the face is like a, is, when we're stuck in the van doesn't happen a lot. When we're out in the world, it happens all the time. And I'm, and I'm kind of going around a little bit of a, a verbal exploration here, but I think that that's one of the contributing factors that has been so difficult about van life in particular when the weather is what it is in this kind of season when we're getting this much rain when we're getting this much moisture when the weather is colder when we're not hiking for whatever reason like when we're it's not even that we're confined to a small space but it's like i miss the eye contact and i miss that even just like that moment of connection and i think if we flip that on its head where other people are spending so much time looking at each other and so much time scanning emotions and body language and nuance and stuff like that i think where we are so blessed and we might not even reel it is the realize it reel it uh is our capacity to communicate about extremely difficult things in the same space and not and not feel like we have to like run away from it because we're so uncomfortable or like we don't know where to look or it's over overwhelming from a nuance and body language perspective yep Okay. <laughs> I, I got nothing to add. Okay. <laughs> Where's your head been at lately about all the things we got coming up? I know you're at one point you were like, if I have to drag you kicking and screaming to get you to the things that you said that you wanted to do. And I do want to do those things. And we'll talk about those things. But like, where's your head been at? Like we're, we're kind of out of the like immediate drama and chaos of plans feeling like they're dropping down we've got some some good momentum building again Mm -hmm. some good hope i think coming where's barry at yeah i mean we were talking about the other day it's like uh it's i don't know if anybody else is gonna be able to understand this but like from a skydiving perspective 
one of the worst planes you could jump out of is a, like a Cessna 182. It's like a four seat. You're jammed in there like sardines. And sometimes if you got a tandem and they got big rigs and it's a nightmare. And like where I, st- I started to learn to skydive was at Skydive New England. And it was one of the shiftiest runways you could have at a drop zone. Like there was a dip in it. And like if you needed to take off before you made it to the dip, otherwise there was going to be problems. I mean, it was so bad that the uh, U.S. Army Golden Knights showed up, landed their plane and immediately took off because they're like, we cannot legally take off from here because it's sketchy as hell. <laughs> right. So but there's a there's a great picture at Skydive New England in one of the classrooms of uh, like this little Cessna and it was on its on its back in the trees at the end of this runway. And at the end of that runway, there's also a high tension power line. So like lately what it feels like is it feels like we're in a grossly overloaded skydiving plane (laughs) and there's only one way to take off at skydive New England. Like you just need speed. You need to get as much speed because if you don't, you're going to end up on your back in a, in the trees. Yeah. Fortunately, with that accident, actually, nobody got hurt, but it's well, it's a great picture of, like, the Cessna just hanging from the trees. So, it's yeah. like, we have so much stuff going on right now. We're under so much stress. That's kind of where I'm at. It's just like, uh, just got to buckle up, hit the gas, and see what happens. So, But it, yeah. it does seem like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully, it's not an oncoming train. I don't think it will be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, all in all, things are really good. I just, you know... I wish we had a van that started. But I did find out one thing about the van. When the windshield wipers don't want to work and it's raining and you're driving, you know what the solution is? What? More speed. (laughs) Warp speed the windshield? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Solid. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, is 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 that what the question was? Yeah, I was just asking how you're doing, like where you're at. Yeah. Where are things? What are you you looking forward to? What are you excited about now that we've kind of got some plans formulating in light of the, the yeah. meltdown. Um, I mean, well, we're leaving this week to yeah. get on some planes. We're going to be like living out of a suitcase for almost two weeks Yep. up in the Bay Area and also Austin for South by Southwest. I'm just really, really excited about it. I mean, this is, we've been waiting for the South by Southwest thing and this PLA thing for over a year. Yeah. In reality, yeah. over a year, because we talked about doing this PLA, this public lands lines thing. Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. And we missed the deadline and we didn't, we weren't able to get in. On well, it. the topics weren't really on. I uh, personally, I think because we submitted our topic oh. and then they were like, oh, we should really create a whole topic. And now it was like actually made for what we do. Right. Because we do what we do. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see some, some, some people up there and obviously South by Southwest. I've never been to South by Southwest. And I'm excited to, you know, be a part of it. All right. Well, we're going to do a quick commercial and then uh, we'll be back to talk about what we've got coming up in March. Sawyer is more than an outdoor company. Every Sawyer product you buy contributes to our common humanity, bringing Sawyer water filtration systems to people in need all around the world. In just 2022 alone, 260,000 households in over 45 countries received clean drinking water through Sawyer filters. Over the past 10 years, we've teamed up with over 140 charities in 80 countries to provide long-term, sustainable relief, domestically, internationally, and in disaster situations. Together, we're saving millions of lives. Thank you. Okay, party people, we have a really exciting new offering at Hiking My Feelings, and we kind of alluded to this 
last episode, but I don't think we really fully got into it. So we have a new version of Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love, um, and it's happening in 2024. This is a vision that I've had since 2015 when I wrote in a little tiny corner of some random journal. I wrote wilderness retreats, question mark, in my journal in 2015. And we've been building up to this very specific offering that we have. Um, so Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love is our series of workshops that will help you navigate the human experience. We're learning how to unpack what it means to be human and embrace the things, highs and lows, goods and bads, positives and negatives, ins and outs, what have you. Um, And we're doing that in community and we're doing that with mindful movement. And now we're also doing that in person. So far, Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love has been a virtual program offered in a variety of formats, a 12-week intensive, a monthly workshop series that lasted a full year. And now we're breaking it down into monthly workshops. There's six monthly workshops that lead up to a retreat in Glacier National Park. And we're doing this in partnership with the Glacier Institute. And we have an incredible itinerary planned. We're going to be hiking some of the most beautiful areas of Glacier National Park. The Glacier Institute is providing accommodations so you don't have to sleep on the ground. We're in some uh, group cabins. You have all your meals prepared. We will even pick you up from the airport if you need an airport pickup or an Amtrak pickup for that matter. Everything's included. All you got to do is get there. And it's the first time that we'll have a concentrated cohort who have been through the Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love program together. We get to go and have this retreat experience together in Glacier National Park, which is a little bit of what we do here at Hiking My Feelings. I'll be leading some workshops and kind of tying all the dots together, but really giving ourselves a full immersive weekend in Glacier National Park with the educators at the Glacier Institute. And we're going to be learning about climate change, how to embody the changing of the seasons. We're going to be doing some forest bathing, some nature journaling, tying it all together with our Hiking My Feelings programs. Um and really helping you put some of those uh, activities into practice. And then it also wraps up the year with our new Next Steps program. And this was inspired by my new book, Hiking Your Feelings, Blazing a Trail to Self-Love. Next Steps is our integration program that will help you take all of the experiences that you've collected over the course of our time together through the program at the retreat and use those experiences to set yourself up for success in 2025 and beyond. So if you're interested in joining for Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love and or the full program with the retreat with us in Glacier this September, you can go to hikingmyfeelings.org slash B-Y-O-T. That's hikingmyfeelings.org slash B-Y-O-T. And that's Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love. The class for 2024 starts in April. We have multiple different ways that you can participate, but the one that we're most excited about, like I said, is this new offering with Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love and the retreat and our brand new Next Steps program. So go to head, uh, go on over to hikingmyfeelings.org slash BYOT to learn more. Ready to find your wellness in the wilderness? Look no further than Hiking My Feelings. Through a combination of community and self-discovery, our programs are designed to give you the space and support to connect life's dots. If you're looking to figure out who you are underneath the stories you've been given and are ready to redesign the map of where you're headed with actionable steps and opportunities to dream big, we're here to walk alongside you. Whether you're a seasoned adventure enthusiast or brand new to the healing power of nature, we've got your back. Visit hikingmyfeelings.org today to download our free Trail Thoughts worksheets and learn more about Hiking My Feelings. All right, we're back. We are back. 
We didn't go anywhere. No. There was no dancing. I didn't even get out of my seat. Nope. We were just sitting. Mm-mm. It was kind of nice. Yep. Um, so we're back and let's talk a little bit about what we've got coming up in March. And then um, I've got some questions about how people can avoid making mistakes that other recreators are making in some of your old stomping grounds. So I'd like to get to to some Barry's wisdom, some William's wisdom. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a segment. Oh. Maybe, maybe your oral traditions, since I'm not hearing them. We can share them with the world. <laughs> Barry's BS. Barry's BS. BS yeah. with Barry. Right. Um, okay, so first things first. Um, this week we are putting some finishing touches on the presentation for PLA, and that is the Public Lands Alliance Conference. Um, I am co-presenting with Daniel Hecker, who is the director of the Field Institute at the Sequoia Parks Conservancy, which is the official nonprofit partner of Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks. We are also... Um, presenting with Michelle Payan, who is the volunteer community volunteer ambassador. She was working with um, Sequoia Kings Canyon in the Volunteers and Parks Office while we were there last summer. She has since moved on to the Golden Gate Recreation Area, which I'm just so excited that she's going to be local and she's able to join us to present about what we've been doing in Sequoia National Park for the past few years. And that is on March 5th. So we are preparing for that. Um, On March 4th, we have the intentional hiking conversation with Renee Patrick about hiking your feelings and finding wellness in the wilderness. So be sure to tune in for that. And all of these things can be found on our website, hikingmyfeelings.org slash events. So March 4th, we've got intentional hiking with Renee. March 5th, I'm co-presenting at the Public Lands Alliance. March 9th is the big debut of Hiking Your Feelings, Blazing a Trail to Self-Love, and that's happening at 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time in the Austin Convention Center, room 10AB from 4 to 5 p.m. Um, we've added a speaker to the lineup, and that is Barry Williams. He's going to be asking me questions about the book. I'm going to try and use words good. He's going to try and use words good. And then we are uh, doing a book signing immediately after that. So from 5.15 to 5. 40, 25 minute signing um, at the South by Southwest bookstore, which is also in the Austin Convention Center. And that's in room 10C, which is right next to where my talk is going to be. So that's super convenient. And then after that, we're going to go over to the uh, welcome party, happy hour networking event um, for the folks that are on the health and med track track at South by Southwest sponsored by Johnson and Johnson. And this podcast is not, but the event is. Um, And then the uh, thing that I'm like really pumped about for Austin, in addition to the book reading and stuff like that, is opening up the Hiking Your Feelings experience to anybody that wants to join us. Um, We are co-hosting a hike with Gossamer Gear and the Trails Conservancy in Austin. We're going to be hiking around the lake and doing a little bit of a trash cleanup. So we'll have more details on that on the website shortly if they're not there already by the time this po- this episode airs. But you can look forward to that on Sunday morning, March 10th at 9 o'clock a.m. Um, so if you are attending South By and you want to get outside, stretch your legs, leave Austin a little bit better than you found it the night before um, after partying on 6th Street or wherever you're hanging out on Saturday night, we'd love to have you join us. And if you live in Austin... Um, and you're looking for an excuse to get out, feel good, learn a little bit about the healing power of nature, support the local uh, organization, the Trails Conservancy, which is based in Austin, uh, learn a little bit more about Gossamer Gear. We're going to have prizes for the most trash picked up, the most unique item found. 
around. Um, when we did this in Chicago for the Take a Hike Diabetes campaign, we picked up like 90-something pounds of trash in like a 30-minute period from one location because there was so much in that stretch of that trail. Um, and we found so many wigs on the trail that we called them tumbleweaves. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> what was some of the weird stuff you found on the ground in Chicago? Uh, I, I I don't remember the the, the wigs were really that because was there was something. like more than one. Yeah, there was like a lot of wigs. I mean, there was those ninety nine <laughs> bananas. Yep, the little know, bottles, bottles, and little and, uh, little fireballs. Right. Yeah, just plenty of those. Lots of mouthwash kicking yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our that's our time in Austin. So March 9th, we've got the talk and the uh book signing, and then on Sunday we have the hike, and then we're headed right back to San Diego. Well, not not. No, well, we got to go to Ginny's Little Longhorns. Well, and then yeah, first. yeah. So we'll go to we'll do the hike. We'll go to Ginny's. We'll play chicken shit bingo. Which, if you haven't, Barry, can you can you educate the folks? So and also, granted, our intel is from like 2011. Well, I so, did I did check the website. They okay. still do it. Everything's okay. fine. There's everything's uh, Ginny has since passed, so there's new ownership. Rest in power, Ginny. But, but they still do chicken shit bingo, and basically what it is, it's it's two dollars a square. And, or like three squares for like five bucks or something. And that you can get like a small little, you know, handful of chicken feed. And they they put this giant wood square out with like squares in the square. And like bingo, just like you think. It's not rocket science. And they put this chicken in there. And with <laughs> with and they put this in this cage. And you can kind of like sprinkle the, the bird seed wherever your square, square number is. And if the chicken poops there, you you win. Yeah. I mean, you get glory, yeah. you get fame, yeah, and you probably get like sixty bucks or something yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. But they but usually, and I hope they still do this. They still do like it's Sundays. They only do the the bingo then. But they do like hot dogs and chili, mm-hmm. and they're free. Mm-hmm. Granted, they've been sitting in. You know, hot dog water. Hot dog water all day long, and it's like Hormel straight out of the can. Which you know has its moments, but yeah, that's that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. So actually, well, and let's also talk about how how Barry is husband of the year always, but especially so this time around because what is happening? What did we just find? What did we literally just find out is happening at the same time as my session? And what has earned you husband of the year with a bonus crown? Already for 2024 because you're going to be on stage with me and not participating in this other thing. Yeah. So at the literally the exact same time we're giving our presentation or you're you're really giving it. I'm just kind of there for eye candy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they're they're doing a 25th anniversary of Office Space with Mike Judge and the entire cast, like Stephen Root, Ron Livingston, the whole cast. Is Jennifer Aniston going to be there? They did not mention her. Okay, so she's probably got other things to do. Yeah, but um, her career's kind of taken off since then. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I, I I I mean, I still think Tom Hanks's best work was in Bosom Buddies, but nobody will agree with me but i think aniston's best work was at office space yeah. and but office space was filmed in austin and it's kind of yeah. cool because we have seen genentech we went to like we, dave yeah. and marta we where went to their apartment we did yeah yeah we saw all of it so yeah so uh, that's going on at the exact same time and i'm like oh so we're putting out a soft sound if anybody would like to be in conversation with sydney williams about her book this is i, I told barry this the other night i said barry this is how much i love you if I need to find 
someone else to be on stage with me so you can go see this panel about office space. That's how much I love. Like, and I'm saying that from the bottom of my heart with every fiber of my being. If you genuinely are that excited about it, I wouldn't want you to miss out on that once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm sure I'll find them on Sixth Street later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. It'll okay. be fine. Copy, but copy. yeah, I mean, that movie is very important to me because I quit my technology job mm-hmm. to become a full time skydiver after watching that movie, and I, I watch it all the time. I've probably seen that thing like a hundred times. It's, it's just, one of it's our a, favorites. It's a great movie. So it's a it's a it's a highlight for us here. Okay, so then we come back and then we're doing the book launch in San Diego, which new and exciting updates on that. When I heard. From our friends at Diesel Del Mar, which is where my book launch is happening on March 12th, 6 p.m. RSVP if you haven't. Um, It's free to join. Buy a book. Get it signed. When Mary from Diesel Del Mar told me that I could have refreshments at this book launch, it was a no-brainer. Like, didn't even... Didn't even have to think. Like, my brain is so finely attuned to the best family-owned businesses in San Diego that provide refreshments. I just, it like, it it felt kind of like what I imagine in the future when we all have brain implants, right? And we're like, we think a thought and then something arrives at our front door. The technology in my brain is already attuned to this for family-owned businesses in San Diego that I would want to have provide refreshments. Do you know who it is? Yeah. You want to tell the people? Well, these aren't just refreshments, mind you. Tell me more. These are experiences. Oh, well, yeah. So we got Babe Kombucha, yeah. which is like your fa- your favorite. One of my favorites. Actually, Super yeah. nice people. Oh my gosh. So we met Vinny and Natasha at K-Bong's album release party. He did a specialty flavor mm-hmm. with Babe. Like that, K-Bong's like one of the faces of Babe. Uh, he did his album release party at their tasting room. And we met Vinny and Natasha. And I'm not kidding. I haven't seen them since then. Like, we haven't seen Vinny and Natasha. I've been texting with Natasha. We're talking about music. We're talking about going on. We've been planning a hike for almost two years now that we haven't taken yet. Um, But we had such a deep, immediate connection because Vinny used to skydive. Natasha lost her brother to skydiving. Mm -hmm. And they look exactly like, and they, well, they don't look exactly like. The way that they interact, the way Vinny and Natasha interact with each other is near identical to our friends Lalo and Claudia. Yep former owners of skydive taft yep and it was just immediate we were talking about yerba mate we were talking about skydiving we were talking about connecting with nature talking to trees listening to the water it was intense and i just want to take a moment and i want to invite you listeners to just think about the last time you had an interaction a first time interaction with a total stranger where you were like oh i've known you for lifetimes and now we're here in this one, together. Does that person come to mind? Are you already thinking of them? I want you to do it right now. Don't wait, because if you wait, you'll forget. Right now, I want you to text them or call them or do something other than listening to what I'm saying. And I want you to reach out to them and tell them hi and that you got a a gift from the universe, a nudge to reach out. I am the universe in this moment, and I'm encouraging you to reach out. You're welcome. So that was the connection with uh, Vinny and Natasha from Babe. So... I was like, hey, Vinny, I got this awesome book launching. Uh, what are the chances we could get some kombucha there? He was like, my pleasure. Tell me how much you need. Come and pick it up. <laughs> and I was like, awesome. And then there's like the no-brainer, probably spoiler alert. Who's the next one? Muffin but good vibes. Burr, 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 burr. 
Mr. Craig McKnight. Craig McKnight, who is hands down one of the most community-minded leaders I've ever met. One of the people I'm most proud to call friend. Um, And he is, he has not confirmed, but I have inquired whether or not S'more Than a Feeling, which is our signature muffin, in collaboration with Muffin But Good Vibes, I've inquired if S'more Than a Feeling will be making an appearance or if this will be a blueberry or the mac kind of either event. way you, you're never gonna miss it you know you, you don't go yeah, wrong I've, I've never had a bad muffin from that man never had a bad muffin from that man so now if you need reasons to come one uh i threw a halloween party in third grade that nobody showed up to and i will tell this story until i die because i kind of like guilt tripping you into coming to things and supporting me um so don't make me drink all the kombucha and eat all the muffins myself i had to eat all the skittles in third grade i'll do it Okay, Barry will do if it. If we have to. If we have to. Um, but so reasons you should come. One, because you can be part of making history and adding a notch to my belt of events that people have shown up to that weren't the Halloween party in third grade. Um, two, you can refresh yourself, get some probiotics, have a good time with a nice, refreshing babe kombucha. You can also eat love. That is what you're doing when you have a muffin, but good vibes muffin. You are eating the love that Craig pours into and stirs up in every single muffin that he makes. And I had another point here. I don't know where I was going with this. I, I was I was on pins and you needles were on over pins here and because needles. I was like, I, she's, what else she's is doing there? it? The reasons that you should come. Mm. Oh, and also just because like you can be a part of this momentous occasion where you're getting exposed to two really great uh, purveyors of goods in San Diego, an incredible bookstore that where the vibes are just immaculate, like diesel bookstore. Like I want the lighting. And if we ever end up in a eventual permanent structure, I'd like the lighting to to be similar to the lighting that is found in diesel bookstore because the lighting in there is just clean and lovely. Um, I thought I had another point and maybe I'll come back to it, but yeah. So you should show up. That's what we're doing. March 12th. Barry, I got a question. Yep. How can I not die in the wilderness? You got any lessons that you've uh, gleaned from any news stories lately? <laughs> so I'm originally from New Hampshire. Yep. And I've hiked a lot of the, you know, presidential range and 4,000 footers and stuff like that. But I only hiked Mount Washington once and that was with you. No kidding. You hadn't hiked it before no, that? I have not. That's something. No, because it's, a, I mean, it's a bit of a touristy because everybody, you know, takes the cog railway up there or drives up there and. I don't know. It's just it's just something for some reason I just never did. And it's the tallest mountain in in New England, um, and it's also home of the wildest weather on the planet. Mm-hmm. When we went there, what was it in August? Yep. It was uh, freezing up top. And it like, was eighty degrees down below, and this this lot, yeah. mountain is only six hundred six thousand two hundred eighty eight feet tall. It's not it's not terribly tall. That's correct. I'm referencing the sticker on the back of the van. Yeah. Yep. And. Um, and it was it was freezing up top, yeah. like it was legitimately at freezing, and there was like s- snowflakes and stuff, and people were in winter outfits and in, in, in August. So it's gnarly, gnarly weather, and it's some dude from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which you know I lived in Portsmouth, and yeah. he, some young buck went and just hiked it in the winter, mm-hmm. and it was minus the windshields was minus like uh, ninety or something. Woo! Good lord! Or no, not ninety mile an hour winds. Oh god! And it was minus fifty something with the wind chill. Oh my gosh! And he's like, "I'd like to go hike this." Yeah, I don't recommend that. 
I yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's the thing is that mountain is so dangerous. There've been almost like half as many people that have died on Everest um have died on Washington. Wow. I mean, that's how dangerous this mountain is. Like, and that's most of them are in the summertime. People die up there because they get caught so, in these storms. And to do this in the winter is really, really dangerous. And then, like, because you, if you're hiking this, you're in the trees and then you get above the tree lines and you can't see anything. Yeah. And you got 90 mile an hour winds. It was during a blizzard. They couldn't see anything. The rescuers couldn't even get up there because they, they ended up having to take the cog railway and they had to like modify the actual rail cars. Like wow. put snow plows on it or something, something weird like that um, to get up there to get to this guy. And he was at the, and I guess he was up there and like he was with friends and his friends were smart enough to turn around. And he was like, I'm going for it. And then he got up to the uh, Lake of the Clouds or whatever, mm-hmm. that hut up there. Yep. And it, there was some other random people there and they turned around and he decided to keep going. And it's all rock and boulder, and he slipped and ended up, like, banging up his ankle or something like that. And he was out there for, like, 12 hours in minus 50-something degree temperatures, and, you know. Did he die? No. No. But, so what's so? Well, they, what? they rescued him. But the thing is in New Hampshire, and it's, it's a funky thing, and there's a lot of debate on this. If you go unprepared into nature and you need to get rescued, they're going to charge you for that rescue. And you're talking anywhere from thirty to $40,000. So I'm a little bit broken on that. Like, I mean, New Hampshire does a really good job of like how to prepare for hikes. They give you like a sheet that you can get. And then if you do the sheet, if you fill it out and you know that you're not a dum-dum, you don't get fined. But if you just go out there willy-nilly, unprepared, without the right equipment, right snacks, and the ability to stay alive out there, they're going to charge you. But the downside is that it's going to be expensive and people probably just die. Yeah. Because who can afford thirty to $40,000 sure to get a rescue? You know what I mean? So yeah. I think eventually that, that law is going to kill somebody. Um, but the good news is uh, if you do die up there, they don't charge you. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So No sense in paying for something you can't come back to. Right. So I want to break this down a little bit. And I think that we've talked about this in our experiences. Like we, we every once in a while we stumble upon a Mount Washington story. And I, I know we certainly cover this in like your your portion of the Blaze Your Own Trial to Self-Love program where you're like walking people through the safety and planning things, like the meetings um, around how to go out and have a safe adventure. We have a worksheet that Barry walks you through, like how to plan your hike, the considerations that you should be um considering <laughs> and then um but i i want to break this down because like so i come from kansas where there are no mountains i moved to california where i am aware of and i have now since summited the tallest mountain in the lower 48 i spent some time in colorado i haven't done any 14ers up there but in general coming as a flat lander person from the midwest it would make sense to me that if i understood that like so yeah of course, Mount Everest has chaotic weather. It's so high. Of course, 14,000 footers have have cold weather. It's so high. Like if we're thinking just about like the elevation and the temperature of like where you're traveling to, all of that makes sense. But I think the part that's really underestimated and overlooked about Mount Washington is the fact that it's only 6,000 feet tall and the weather is so dramatic. Why is that happening? Does it have its own weather system? Like, why is why is it colder and more vicious at the top of Mount Washington than it is at Mount Whitney? 
Because it's New England, baby. Yeah. We're tough. I know. We're tough. We're Even tough our mountains. weather's tough. <laughs> the trails are tough. Yeah. The mountains are tough. The, you know, yeah. the people are tough. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I would imagine there's some sort of valley and it whips up there and you get these, yeah. these winds and stuff like that. But it is one of the windiest, you know, it was the windiest place on the planet for a long time. And I think maybe somebody just beat it, but yeah. it's still wild, wild weather. Well, I'll never get tired of issuing uh, a good faith warning to folks that are adventuring up in New England. Just be careful. If you're going up to the Whites, especially in the winter, be careful. But even in the summer, be careful. To Barry's point, more people die on Mount Washington in the summer than they do in the winter mm-hmm. because they're underestimating how quickly things can change and how unique it is on top of that mountain. Yeah, and if you want to watch a, a movie that has nothing to do with Mount Washington but is set on Mount Washington, watch Infinite Storm. You want to see, see what you're dealing with? But yeah. obviously, I, when we watched that movie, I was like, Nobody, and I mean nobody involved with the making and production of this film has ever been to New Hampshire. Correct. Because they shot, like, the, the vistas were like Alps. It was like Romanian Alps or yeah. whatever. Like, it was just these humongous mountains that are definitely taller than 6,000 feet themselves. Um, yeah, so the the that they took some significant creative liberties with the uh, production of that film. But the story is set on Mount Washington, even though nothing reflects that fact. <laughs> yeah, it's a true story. <laughs> and it's a good story. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a great story. Um, okay, well, what else you got? Anything you want to wrap up on? I don't know. I mean, I didn't tell people how not to die, but like... Just, well, so tell uh, them how not to die. Well, I mean, be prepared and understand what you're getting yourself into, because this yeah. is no... Nature doesn't care. Right. They don't... Nature does not care. It's very indifferent to us. Yeah. Nature's going to do what nature does. Yeah. So, I mean, just you got to be prepared. Got to educate yourself. Got to, you know, plan and leave a plan and let people know where you're going. And, um, yeah, I mean, there you go. All right. So. It's good to be prepared. Yeah. Well, with that, um, I think that's, that's about it for me. Yep. So we got some cool stuff coming up in March. Um, Our Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument event has sold out. So we are really looking forward to seeing everybody up in Utah uh, the first weekend in May. Like we mentioned at the top of the episode, we do have some exciting events coming up uh, in April and May that we will be sharing very soon. Um, We are putting the final details on a little mini tour. I'm going to say that, a mini tour. A, a, leg, a tour within a tour. A tour within a tour mm-hmm. um, that is happening uh, in at the end of April through May um, to celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month. And we will have more details for that for you soon. Um, in the meantime, we hope that this episode has been a breath of fresh air. And we hope that you are feeling seen and supported and loved wherever you're at. And if you're not, then come hang out with us somewhere because that's kind of our specialty. Yeah. Yeah. How do you celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month? Do you like, is there parties? Is there yeah. like we're cel- parades? Do you want to know how we're celebrating? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you next week when I can, or whenever I can talk more all about right, it. All right. Yeah. I didn't know if I needed to get like a hat. Or oh, yeah. Little, yeah. Kazoo. Yeah. Right. A kazoo. Yeah. A kazoo. Yeah. Um, so until next time, uh, take good care of yourself. Take good care of each other. Dream big, be kind, and we'll see you next time. See you. Thanks for joining us on this week's show. We hope this episode has been a breath of fresh air for you and has inspired you to find your wellness in the wilderness. We will reconnect with nature and you again next week 